Welcome to the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. We're Kate and Liam, married bisexuals a decade into our non-monogamous journey. We've been having sex with our friends for 10 years, and we're still madly in love with each other. We're the authors of the Monogamous Marriage blog, where we've been overthinking sex and love since 2016. This podcast is the place where we process our sexual adventures in real time. We are not experts, and nothing we say should be mistaken for professional advice. This show contains mature language and sexual content, so if you're under 18, it isn't for you. But if you're a fellow overthinker and you're not freaked out by unfiltered conversation, you're going to feel right at home. This is going to be a different kind of episode for us, something that we call the Monogamish Library. Over the last six years or so, we've written over 90 articles on all kinds of subjects, and in this series, we're going to group some related ones together and read them in a kind of audiobook style. These articles are kind of like journalism for us. The first draft of history are immediate observations after something occurs. But now, looking back several years later, we're going to also add more commentary on what we experienced at the time and how we reacted to the situations we found ourselves in. For those of you who have never read our articles, you'll be hearing about our history in a way that's new and unfamiliar. For those of you who have read the articles in the past, hopefully you'll understand them in a different way, hearing about our experiences in our own voices. In this first episode, we're going to read four related articles about our threesomes very early in our time in the lifestyle with my ex-boyfriend, Derek. Article 1. Our first MFM threesome, part 1. It's sometimes tempting to feel that your sexual fantasies are set very early on in life. After all, how many possibilities are there? How many body parts? How many positions before you get into the purely gymnastic? But I have to say that the thing that turns me on the most at present is something I had never even given a stray thought to less than three years ago. And it originated with the bizarre story you told me after coming home from a lunch with your cousin. As open-minded as I am, even I was a little surprised by this story. It all started with my cousin's husband encouraging her to flirt with a guy at work who she had mentioned was pretty hot. Now, her husband is the jealous sort, and she was a little reluctant, but she couldn't deny her attraction to this other man, so she eventually went along with it. It began with texts, which she and her husband composed together. Then, at her husband's urging, she gave the guy a blowjob at work. She went home and told her husband all about it, and they had amazing sex for days after. Later, she made a video of herself giving the other guy a blowjob, and she and her husband watched it together several times. Eventually, her husband paid for a hotel room, and my cousin arranged for her colleague to come meet her there. They had sex, and he came inside her. He left soon after, and then her husband, who had been waiting in the car, came in and licked her clean, then fucked her. She said it was the most incredible sex they'd ever had. Boy, reading what you just wrote brings it all right back. When you told me this story, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. It was one of those things that can't be explained. It completely bypassed my logical faculties and connected at a more primitive level. It wasn't the specific details of what they did, but the simple counterintuitive idea of wanting your woman to have sex with another man that electrified me. How could it be that the thing that so many men fear the most, the subject of so many hurtin' songs, could be so exciting? Up until then, I assumed it was in the Bible somewhere that a threesome always meant one man and two women, or what we call FMF. 
I had never considered the other possibility, two men and one woman, or MFM. Suddenly, it was all I could think about. Whenever we were fucking, that's where my mind went. And then one day, I had an idea. I had only met your ex-boyfriend Derek once, but lying in bed one morning, it occurred to me that he would make a perfect third for us. He was a good-looking guy, and I knew that you still found him attractive, but no one would mistake him for a movie star. And because he was a little older than me, I didn't think I would feel threatened. Well, that and the fact that he and I had already had a relationship that ended for very valid reasons. I still liked the man, and I was certain he would be respectful of me and of my relationship with you. I also knew him well enough to feel he might not be put off by having another naked man in the room. Even so, I thought you were a little crazy. Watching me go down on a woman, which you had enjoyed many times before, would be a completely different experience from watching another man fuck me, I imagined. I worried about it damaging your ego and our relationship. Nothing is worth that to me. It just seemed too risky. I know. I understand your reasoning. I had done some research, though, and learned that this preference that seemed so surprising to me was kind of a thing. It wasn't just a crazy plan that your cousin had cooked up. Many couples were doing it. There were lots of variations, many of which had to do with humiliating the man for his lack of prowess or endowment. That approach had no appeal for me. I think I was really most interested in experiencing your sexuality in a different way. Rather than being up close, there would be some distance. Rather than it being about love, I would get to see you in a purely sexual way. So I made my case to you. To begin with, I felt like the risk was minimal because we both knew I was very capable of managing my emotions. It was my idea, and I wouldn't hold you responsible for it if it somehow went poorly. I also felt that it was important to try things that were challenging, that if we only ever did things that were guaranteed safe, we would never grow. So I asked if you would approach Derek. I eventually did. I went to visit him at his office, and after some small talk, I jumped right in with something like, My man wants to watch me get fucked by another man. Are you interested? After a brief moment of shock, he said that sounded pretty hot. I told him that you would be in touch with him about the details. My job as the go-between ended there, per your request. I liked it that way because it was important to me to have some control. I wanted Derek to know that his access to you came only with my permission, just like I wouldn't touch another woman without yours. So I met him at a local restaurant and we had a very frank conversation. He was extremely reasonable and respectful of both of us, and concerned to make it a positive experience for everyone. He couldn't have conducted himself more perfectly. So we set a date for two weeks later. Article 2 Our first MFM threesome, Part 2 Two days before our first threesome with Derek was to happen, we fell into having a threesome with my best friend, Melissa, by accident. A day around the pool without kids turned into naked swimming, then touching, and then a trip to the bedroom. It turned out to be our best, and for interesting reasons we'll get into some other time, our last, impromptu playtime with her. Afterward, I mentioned our plans with Derek, and she practically begged to be included. She and I had had a threesome with him once years before, so she already knew and liked him. I thought her presence would make things more fun and prevent you from feeling left out. Maybe she could entertain you while he and I got started. So we agreed, and suddenly our first experience with two men went from a threesome to a foursome. I agreed that Melissa would be a good addition to the experience. She has a very chill presence, so we invited her to come over early. By the time Derek arrived, a few drinks had been consumed and the mood was mellow. 
You had prepared a nice light meal, and the conversation flowed naturally for the first couple of hours. I heard of people in a situation like this, where everyone is nervous and no one takes the initiative to change the direction from social to sexual. I knew I would be the one to do that job this night, however, so somewhat suddenly I suggested that you and Derek go upstairs for a massage and that Melissa and I would join you in a little while. I think the best part of that night was the anticipation of getting started. In the bedroom, Derek and I kissed and slowly undressed each other. His hands going up under my dress made me crazy. That's when I was the most turned on. Knowing you were downstairs and could walk in at any moment made me incredibly horny. I was reluctant to go too far, though, because I didn't want you to miss anything. While you two were upstairs, Melissa and I were having a not especially sexual conversation downstairs in the kitchen. I guess I was already feeling estranged from any of the erotic energy the rest of you were feeling. After a reasonable amount of time, we went up to the bedroom. When I opened the door, I saw you sitting on the bed with Derek, casually stroking his cock. I would say you didn't look 100% comfortable, but things seemed to be going okay. Melissa and I took our clothes off and joined you and Derek on the bed. I felt a strange hybrid emotion. I was turned on to see you touching him so intimately, but I registered my arousal at a distance, almost as if it was happening to someone else. I started touching you, but I wasn't getting hard the way I normally would. As time went on, everyone got more relaxed and started having more fun. Everyone except me. Inside my head, a terrible dialogue was going on. The rational part of me was saying that I should just relax, that there was no real pressure. But an increasingly irrational voice was berating me for failing, for not being manly enough, for letting everyone else down. To my acute embarrassment, Derek was having no erection problems at all. He had sex with you in several positions, as well as enjoying oral with both you and Melissa. There he was, older than me and known to be the anxious type, performing like a champ. On the other hand, I was younger and generally relaxed in any situation, and soft as a marshmallow. And on and on it went. He was unflaggingly hard for the whole time. I assured the rest of you not to worry about me, that I was fine, and you should do whatever you felt like. As I write this more than two years later, it's hard to put myself back into that headspace. Why did my inability to keep an erection seem like such a colossal failure? Derek was a perfect gentleman, not in any subtle way acting like the alpha male my imagination had turned him into. I knew that you weren't judging me, and neither was Melissa, who by now I considered to be a close friend of my own as well. With the perspective of time, I now realized that we had had a lot of sex in the five days before our foursome, and I was somewhat sexually exhausted. Derek, on the other hand, had had almost no sex for months. He was like a starving man at a buffet. I've always been nervous in new situations, but I'm so good at hiding it that people around me are typically unaware of it. So good that often even I myself am unaware of it, unless there is some kind of obvious indicator. Like, say, a cock that won't stand up while my greatest fantasy is coming to life around me. You may be good at hiding things, but I was hyper aware of you and knew very well that you were uncomfortable. I kept asking if you were okay, and you kept encouraging me to keep going. I was torn because part of me wanted to call the whole thing off, but another part didn't want to disappoint anyone or draw further attention to your discomfort. So I did my best to entertain Derek and Melissa while also giving you as much loving attention as I could. I managed to have a fairly good time, but I couldn't let go entirely because I was so concerned about you. The next day was awful. You were finally open about how painful the experience had been, and I hated that I had any part in hurting you. 
I kept apologizing, but you kept reminding me that none of this was my idea and assuring me that you weren't angry. I determined then that we would never attempt this again. It wasn't worth your pain or my guilt. Even at my lowest moment, though, I felt a bizarre kind of pride. I knew that the emotional ache I felt was the result of taking a risk, of not accepting the standard script for how a couple should conduct their sex life. We had held hands and jumped in together. If one of us ended up having some scratches and bruises, well, that's what happens to the adventurous. Scars are easy enough to avoid by simply playing it safe, but playing it safe was exactly what I didn't want to do with you. Although it was an experience I could only describe as crushing in the moment, I did understand that something impressive had happened. You had enjoyed yourself, which was not a given from the outset. You had found the ideal partner in Derek. I had registered the erotic potential of what I had witnessed, even if only remotely. The next day, you and I had sex, and although I started off tentatively, you orgasmed twice, and I came fairly easily after that, our usual and suddenly reassuring sequence. The second morning after, however, I awoke feeling ecstatic. At some deep level, I had processed everything that had transpired and come out on the other side deeply satisfied. I felt closer to you than ever. With my head full of our recent experience, we had unbelievable sex twice that afternoon and evening. Intuitively, I knew we would try an MFM threesome again, and that things would only get better. If you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you might also like to connect with us in some other ways. For starters, we have a very active presence on Twitter, at Monogamish1. By active, he means we're constantly posting naked pictures, mainly of me. We're also on Instagram under the name The Monogamish Marriage. Well, I am. It's a place where I post my thoughts, poetry, quotes, and more pictures. It's kind of like reading my diary. We both write separately for Medium.com under the names Liam McAdam and Kate Monogamish. We do all this stuff for free because we clearly have a desperate need for attention. But if you'd like to encourage us or if you're just plain feeling sorry for us, you can become a supporter at Patreon.com forward slash The Monogamish Marriage. We post original photos and videos there, including material that's too hot for Twitter, Instagram, or Medium. So go check it out, you dirty pervs. And now, back to the Monogamish Marriage Podcast. Article 3 Our MFM Experiment. Getting it right. Six weeks after our disastrous first experience with another man, we got a text from Derek saying that he had some ideas about how we could do things differently if we wanted to try again. I met him for lunch to discuss them, and he suggested that we take some pictures of you as an icebreaker. In addition to being a doctor, Derek is a pretty talented photographer. I liked the idea immediately. We could start with some traditional portraits, and then you could gradually lose your clothes. You're definitely not shy in front of the camera, and I have an artistic side, so it seemed to play to everyone's strengths. Rather than starting from a standstill, we could allow the sex to develop more naturally. I was hesitant to try again. In fact, I did something I rarely do. I said no to you. I had no desire to cause more of the pain you experienced last time, but you were pretty insistent. I began to feel a little uncomfortable. You were pushing too hard to make it happen, and my no wasn't being heard. To be fair, though, I knew that if I had refused for my own reasons, you would have respected that. 
but it was because I was refusing on your behalf that you pushed. You needed to prove something to yourself, and I was an obstacle. Eventually, I decided that you deserve the opportunity to redeem yourself, if that's what you really wanted. So as we had done before, Derek came to our place and we had some drinks. We then went upstairs and began taking pictures, first with clothes on, then they gradually came off. You both had cameras and ideas about what you wanted to see. I ended up with some lovely, tasteful headshots and some pretty scandalous dildo shots by the end of the evening. And it was a very effective way to put us all in the mood. Derek suggested that he go downstairs and get some more wine while we got started without an audience. We could call him up when you felt ready. That proved to be the magic formula. You were already turned on from the photography session and quickly got rock hard. Derek rejoined us in a few minutes, and the night progressed as well as any of us could have hoped. I got fucked by two hard cocks. Everyone came, and after he left, we woke up in the middle of the night and did it again. It was the beginning of what has now been two years of threesome success. It's so interesting. I was initially attracted to the idea of an MFM threesome after hearing about your cousin's crazy experience, but I really had no idea what was in store. There was nothing logical about my desire to see you have sex with another man. I remember thinking at first that we should have some ground rules, like maybe you shouldn't kiss him. Somehow kissing seemed more intimate to me than fucking. But in the end, we just decided to let things proceed in whatever way felt right to you. I love watching you spread your legs for him and seeing the subtle ways your body registers his cock pushing into you for the first time. But I have to say that I also love the offhandedly tender gestures, like when you gently stroke his chest or whisper encouragements. These days, the more pleasure you appear to be taking in Derek's body, the more excited I feel. But it goes beyond that. Somehow your enjoyment of this other man actually makes me feel closer to you. Everything about our threesome seems generous-spirited, non-competitive, and even spiritual. I generally resist hippie statements like that, but I'd have to agree. I recently read an article by Christopher Fernandez, who studied swingers for 15 years. He reported, quote, A colleague once commented that swinging wives are to be pitied since they have to endure these unrealistic demands from overbearing and oversexed husbands, and they should be viewed as victims of this male-dominated lifestyle, end quote. His research, instead, supports exactly the opposite. He claims for many women, swinging becomes, quote, an emboldening opportunity to explore aspects of themselves that society has otherwise tried to control. That's been my experience, too. I feel the opposite of victimized. In every encounter, I am treated like a sexual goddess, and I get to be as aggressive or as submissive as I like. At the beginning, my people-pleasing side came out, I was worried about entertaining each of you. You'd take turns with me, and I took pains to give you both equal time. If one of you got a blowjob, I had to make sure the other got the same treatment. But now that everyone's more comfortable, I love just lying back and letting you both please me. I think the best part is closing my eyes and feeling hands, mouths, and cocks all over me. I can allow myself to be a little selfish, knowing that nobody's keeping score. And the pleasure isn't all sexual either. I also love the moments afterward, where we're all spent and sweaty, lying in bed, laughing and touching. I feel safe, respected, and adored. I know that both men in the room truly care about my well-being. 
but at the end of the evening, all that healthy mutual affection is not a threat to our relationship. I care for Derek. We both do. But I love you. Like crazy. I would never suggest that other people should do exactly what we've done, that the same formula would work for everybody. We had threesomes with Derek six times in that first year, and each time was better than the last. For me personally, I think there have been two crucial factors. First of all, we found the right person. Derek is very sexual, but he's also polite and considerate. He's committed to the primacy of our relationship and works hard to avoid any word or gesture that might seem threatening. Most importantly, however, it all works for me because of who you are. Our relationship is strong and multidimensional. You are my partner and best friend in all aspects of life, and you have done a great job of making me feel like the right man for you in every way. At the same time, you have the ability to abandon yourself in the moment with someone else honestly and unselfconsciously. So many of the things you've said and done in that state have burned themselves into my memory. This is, for me, the amazing thing about us having a threesome with another man. I get to see facets of you that would not have been visible in any other context. I get to know you better than I could have otherwise. And in the end, that's what makes these experiences irreplaceable. Article 4 The Greatest Threesome in the History of the World This one is a little different because instead of being written as a dialogue the way we usually do, it was written as jot notes from my journal. When we were writing our article, The Quantified Sex Life, a couple of weeks ago, I got caught up reading through the notes section of the sex log I keep. Usually I just jot down a sentence or two for each entry to help my memory, though occasionally I will try to capture what we did in a little more detail. But never have I written as much as I did for Saturday, August 30th, 2014. That was the day Derek came over and we did it like ten times, wasn't it? Well, you did it ten times. Derek and I did it five times each. (laughs) I remember it very well. It was probably the best and longest playtime I had ever had. I also remember the next day quite well. I was sore as hell. You really did deserve a medal of some kind. I wonder what governing body I would address a commendation to. Anyway, I like that we share our experiences as they really happen. Sometimes the truth is humbling, but at other times things work out better than you could ever have imagined. Here is the record of one of those times, exactly the way I wrote it down the next morning. We had an unbelievable threesome with Derek yesterday, easily the sexual highlight of my life, if not the greatest threesome in the history of the world. In the days before he came over, Kate made two suggestions. One, that we weave sex into the whole day rather than having a strict division between social time and sexual time. And two, that I might like it if she had sex with Derek while I went out to pick up some sushi for dinner and discovered them when I returned. Both ideas turned me on like crazy. The Prelude On the day of, we were pretty relaxed. Derek was coming over early, 1 p.m., to take some photos of her naked in the pool in the afternoon sun. Derek took some engagement shots of her and I in the backyard first, then she stripped off for some art shots in the pool. After a while of taking photos, I came out naked, and Derek took his clothes off. We both went into the pool. Part 1 Kate began stroking us both. Derek and I sat on the edge of the pool and she started blowing me while stroking Derek, then switched. I loved watching her give him oral. I went into the pool and fucked her from behind while she blew Derek. Then Kate straddled Derek as he sat on the side of the pool while I played with her ass. We then laid down some cushions at the side of the pool and I fucked her from behind while she blew Derek. Then we switched positions. 
We went back to taking some arty nude shots in the pool. Kate wrapped herself around me. Then she blew me on the edge of the pool while Derek fucked her from behind. Then Derek gave her oral while I watched for a bit and then went in the house. Part 2. We went inside for a bite to eat. I got hard again and fucked her from behind while she leaned over the kitchen island. Derek caressed her breasts. We all went into the TV room to look at our vacation photos on the television for a while. Part 3. Kate started giving Derek oral on the couch. I stepped into the next room for a moment, and when I came back, Derek was fucking her. That sight of her lying back with her legs wrapped around him turned me on like crazy. I had never watched her from that angle before. It was very powerful. Once they were finished, Derek was still holding off from coming, even though we both said he should feel free to at any time. I asked her if she would like to come now. She was desperate. I fucked her from behind on the living room couch while Derek watched, and she came twice. This was the part that turned her on the most, getting fucked to orgasm by me while another man watched, jerking off. I was super hard but had to think of non-sexual things to keep from coming myself. Part 4. We agreed it was time to eat. I phoned in the sushi order and went to pick it up. Kate and Derek were chatting so casually that I thought that they probably wouldn't have sex while I was out, even though I told Derek he could do anything he wanted, as discussed with her the night before. While I was out, Derek gave Kate oral, then she blew him until he felt he was going to come. He said they should wait until I returned, but she convinced him I would be very happy if they had sex. When I came back, they were still chatting on the couch just as I had left them. I assumed nothing had happened, but she informed me that she had a pussy full of cum. I took her upstairs, gave her elaborate oral that turned me on like crazy, then fucked her already creamy pussy to a fantastic orgasm. We came back downstairs to eat with Derek, who had been working on editing the photos we had taken earlier in the day. Part 5. After dinner, we went outside to take more photos. We did a second set of engagement shots, then some more nude art photos in the pool. Derek took over 1,700 pictures that day. He kind of overdid it in burst mode. We went inside and chatted for a while. Then I suggested we go up to our bedroom for one last time together. There was no pressure since everyone had come, so we thought we might just do some relaxing massage. Kate massaged me, then Derek, then we both massaged her. We were chatting while Derek and I laid back on the bed with her sitting between us. She began tracing a finger over both of our bodies with perfectly mirrored, exquisite movements. Derek and I knew that whatever we were feeling was precisely what the other was feeling. This turned us both on. I got very hard. I asked Derek to fuck her in the way that I was so desperate to see again, which was him lying on top of her with her legs wrapped around him. I nearly lost my mind. Then she and I had our regular sex, front, back, then front again. She came and so did I. Very rare that I would come twice in the same day. Then Derek fucked her again. He pulled out and jerked off on her tummy. Derek left amid much good feeling around 10 p.m. It was basically nine hours of eating, drinking, talking, and taking photos with uninhibited sex woven into the entire visit. The epilogue. Kate and I stayed up late talking and enjoying each other's company. I felt so close to her and so in love, overwhelmed with emotion. We love getting to know new people, and our favorite way to do that is attending lifestyle events. Our next stop is at Podcastapalooza Encore in Dallas, starting November 5th to November 8th. 
If you read our blog, you know that the last PCAP event in Miami was outstanding, and we expect nothing less from the next one. We'll be presenting a seminar on bisexuality, and we'd love to have you join the conversation. So follow the link in the show notes, or check out the upcoming events tab at themonogamishmarriage.com for details. And now, back to the Monogamish Marriage Podcast. It's really interesting reading these stories now. I think the first two were from 2013 and the second was from 2014. And it just seems like we're peering into a time capsule from a completely different era. What strikes you when you listen to these stories? Well, the first thing that stands out is from that first day where you were having erection problems. You said at the time that it was probably because we had had sex for several days in a row and you were all sexed out, and that's why you couldn't get an erection. But of course, we know now that this was the first of what would turn out to be many problems with getting erections in new situations. So for several years, you were able to point to different external things to say, this is why it didn't work, and this is why it didn't work, and this is why it didn't work. But ultimately, what we realize now is the pattern is not all those external things. The pattern was your own nerves and you know your performance anxiety getting in the way in those new situations. Oh yeah, there's no doubt it was psychological and it continues to be psychological, but these problems don't come with labels on them. You are in a bit of a panic and you're searching around, but it's hard because I'm not aware of being nervous. I was totally relaxed in the moment. I'm generally a calm, confident person. In fact, the only evidence that I was feeling anxiety at all with you and Derek and Melissa was that my cock wasn't working. It was like a distress signal from a deeply subconscious layer of my being. As well, it's worth pointing out that saying the problem is psychological does not mean that external factors are irrelevant. I bring the same brain, the same psychological makeup to every situation that I'm in. But if the results are different, then something in the environment is not mixing well with my mental processing. So of course, I explored every possibility out there. And for those of you who are curious about how I eventually solved the problem, you can read our most recent article, The Guaranteed Erection, on our blog. Another thing I found interesting as we read back through these articles was there was no mention at the time of the role that your burgeoning bisexuality was playing in these successful times with Derek. So as you look back now, what do you feel like that was adding to these early experiences, or were you just not even aware at that point that there was an additive value to the two guys in the room thing? Well, I think it comes across a bit in that part of the story we read where we're talking about your fingers tracing a pattern on his body and my body at the same time. So that's a kind of mediated sexual experience between two men. It required a woman, and I think that is something that's a factor for me. Your enthusiasm for bisexual play makes a difference, kind of gives me permission. So I think that was actually baked into the story. But of course, it's developed much more in the seven years since that took place. A final thing that stood out to me as we were reading these was the fact that on that best threesome in the history of the world day, you came home from picking up sushi to find me full of his cum. You know, we're aware that human beings like us were around two or 300,000 years ago, but it's very rare we get a glimpse of what it was like 
to be that kind of human being. But I think when I had that experience of having sex with a female who's very obviously just had sex with another male, I think that's a snapshot of what it was like to be that very ancient type of hominid. But obviously anyone paying attention would know that would require no condoms in order to make that happen. Every man picked up on that, I guarantee you. (laughs) So do you want to address that? Yeah, it was very exciting for me. It was part of what made those threesomes so successful because we had a unique person in Derek. So not only was he available, someone you had a history with that you were attracted to, but he, as we mentioned, hadn't had sex in a long time. And he's a doctor and a germaphobe. So the idea came up pretty early that perhaps he didn't need to use a condom. And he was very relieved about that because he found them troublesome and Of course, I didn't have to wear a condom with you, so it wasn't really a problem for me, although I could relate to what he was experiencing. But for me, it meant just the possibility of what we described, which is he could come inside you and then I could fuck you after. And I'm sure some people are listening to this and going, yuck. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are other people listening to this going, holy God, would (laughs) I love to do that sometime. And It's very rare for all those factors to come together to make it perfectly safe to do that, but it was for us. So this was my first exposure to a fascinating phenomenon, coming into contact with a very ancient brain circuit that I had no reason to know even existed. The idea that putting my cock into a pussy filled with another man's cum would unleash such a powerful feeling, not of disgust, which anyone would understand, but that is definitely not what I felt. It was a feeling of, it was a feeling I can only describe as hyper arousal. But how would you know that even exists if you hadn't found yourself in such an extreme, such an unlikely situation, which is actually one of the great underappreciated things about the lifestyle. And interestingly, I got there because I was guided by pure lust. So we managed to experience a fantasy that very few people get to and that we actually have experienced very, very rarely since then, maybe once since then. Yeah, I think we've only had one other couple that we agreed to be fluid bonded with, as they say, um, to go without condoms with. But yeah, that that situation went on for almost two years with him and we Mm -hmm. were his exclusive sexual partners. Yes, which is amazing to think of. Right. Just in itself. (laughs) Yeah, so we've never been able to recreate an experience like that day in the seven or eight years since it happened. I know, I keep thinking about it. And we've generally put it out there to other partners that, hey, if you got tested during the week before we got together and we got tested, and obviously we only play with people that we know and trust, perhaps we could just verify that we're all clear and we could have a weekend away. We've even thought of doing it with a group of four couples. Can you imagine four couples that are certified, guaranteed safe? I'm getting excited just thinking about it right now. In fact, I'm making a note to myself that we've got to do this. We've got to make this happen. It seems very accessible. We don't have to depend on some piece of luck happening. We just have to find the willing participants. So those were the things that stood out to me. But what were you thinking as you read this diary from eight years ago? Well, one thing, first of all, that leapt out at me was the stories are short. I think our stories are about twice as long now. That's entirely your fault. uh, 
That's totally to my credit, you mean. We go into greater depth and provide a more immersive experience for our readers. So thank you for giving me the credit. I always want to keep them to 1,500 words. This guy is like pushing 3,000. Yeah, that's your low artistic self-esteem at work. Assuming we don't want to bug people. People don't want to spend too much time with us. That You sometimes bring into lifestyle situations too. I think that's just my low estimation of people's tolerance for reading things. Well, I think we've proven the opposite because... Since our stories have gotten longer, our audience has grown significantly. I wouldn't venture to say that they're totally related, but they can't be not related. Okay. So that's one thing that stood out to me. The stories were short. But also, when we were telling the story about that first time with Derek and Melissa was there, and I had a tough time. We mentioned it, that it was hard on me, but I can't tell you how deep the pit was that I fell into. And if you look back at the situation, I was with two really friendly people who were really nice about it. Nice about it in the sense that I don't know if they even noticed I was having problems. But I just took a deep dive off a cliff in terms of my emotional state. And the next day, I was really rocked. And I don't think we really got that across in the article. But just thinking about it now... I go right back there. And it's confusing to me because there really wasn't that much to worry about, I suppose. But in a way, it was foreshadowing struggles that I would have over a long time after and that I did make some kind of peace with. We continued on. But that first incident, that first struggle was a real blow to my self-conception and found a vulnerability in me that I didn't really know was there. Right. I think that was the most upset I've seen you maybe in the whole 10 years we've been together. And I've seen you lose both your parents and had tragedies with your kids. And that was the time when you were at least most expressive of um, the pain you were in. So it was not insignificant at all. Yeah, it's interesting that you should mention that comparing it to other things that I've been through. I think in other situations, they tend to be about other people. And the way I'm Mm -hmm. wired... I think my job is to just put one foot in front of the other and be there for the people who need me. So when I got a call from my sister-in-law saying that my brother was in the ICU and had had a catastrophic stroke just around the time we met, I knew right away what my job was, which is to go into the ICU. However hard that might be, it was harder for him and it was my job to be there. And that's what I did. But this was a case where the patient was me. Mm. And I don't think I I don't think I knew what to do for myself in a way that would have been easy if it was for someone else. Right. Yeah, and it was certainly hard for me because I felt like I had inflicted this pain on you. Which because, of course you hadn't. Well, I was the one having sex with another man in front of you. Right. Which felt like a pretty big part of the equation. Mhm. But who asked you to have sex with another man? Well, it was you. Yeah. But still. (laughs) Yeah. No, I get it. And a little voice in me was saying, you, meaning you, Kate, are having an awfully good time here. (laughs) And while part of me wanted to hide the struggle that I was having, a part of me wanted to be, I don't know, felt sorry for. Well, you wanted to be seen, I guess. Yeah. I wanted you to 
worry about me. I wanted you to be more concerned, even though if you asked me for an answer from my logical brain, I would have said, no, we're there to make sure that things go well for others. We don't worry about ourselves too much. And I I think that's generally what I got across to people, even though, of course, you're very perceptive and you know me well and you picked up on it. But I don't think the other two really did. Right. Yeah, I mean, the the time that was the worst was the next day when they were gone and you weren't on stage anymore. And that's when you really let your, you know, your pain be seen. I remember at the time I was seeing a therapist as part of the dissolution of my first marriage. And I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I had an appointment the afternoon after that first threesome. And I completely went off the agenda to talk about my erection failure in a group sex situation. I can't remember what she told me, but... Just remembering that I hijacked a divorce negotiation therapy session to discuss it tells you how completely it had overtaken my mental landscape. And well, she must have been completely sideswiped. I can't, I don't even remember what she said, but I can't imagine I did a good job of describing what I was going through. But I have to say that you handled it the best way you possibly could. So even though I could see through what you were saying about it's not your fault, this was my idea, I made you do it. I saw that beyond that logic, there was real deep pain that was not logical. You never lashed out at me, you didn't blame me, you didn't bring it up later and point fingers at me. You were very good about saying, this is something we decided to do together, this is a consequence of that thing, and it's just the price we have to pay for going on adventures. And the next time you brought it up and I said, no way, we're never doing that again. Because you had stuck to that line of, it's not your fault. I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to point fingers at you later. It was probably that that allowed me to finally say, okay, fine, let's try it again. So for those of you out there listening to this, if you have had a catastrophic failure, or a painful experience, I suppose the lesson to learn is don't blame your partner. It was the experience that went wrong. This is the price of admission if you want to do slightly outside of the box things. It's going to feel difficult. You're going to encounter times when things are painful, or um, you walk away with hurt feelings. But if you don't throw that back at your partner, you're way more likely to be able to communicate through it and to come back and try again successfully next time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think people who have a lifelong practice of blaming others for their problems, they probably aren't going to be able to take your advice and take another path at this point in their life. But you're right. It is important. And I think something else was going on too. And that was that the selfish part of me that wants great things could see even through the pain that there was something awesome there and that if we stuck to it, we could eventually overcome the difficulties and get into the promised land. Of course, it turned out that was a prophetic thing for me to think because Mm -hmm. we did get into the promised land in terms of those threesomes with Derek and continuing them on for two years. But it is interesting when you look at how perceptions work that, you know, there was this heavy emotional interference around my experience that night but even through that there was this glimpse of what could be and I think it's fascinating that that came through and I give you a lot of credit for being willing to try it again well I'm so glad we did because it landed us here and what do you mean by that well 
10 years into the lifestyle, loving it, having made lots of friends and amazing memories. And so do you mean there's a, you think there was a chance that we could have just aborted the whole project at that point? Absolutely. If you had been my ex-husband and had responded the way I know he would have responded, right. by finger pointing and blaming and making me feel guilty and punishing me, mm-hmm. I would never have agreed to do it again. So it was all because of the way you responded that I felt safe enough to try it again. And that is why we're here. Okay. So thank you for that, Liam. Well, thank you. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I love you too. Thanks so much for tuning in. While we appreciate you listening... We're ultimately more interested in dialogue than monologue. So feel free to reach out to us at themonogamishmarriage at gmail.com or any of our other social media platforms with your comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. And if you like what we do, we'd love to read your positive reviews wherever you listen to podcasts.